0: Welcome to episode 21 of the Lynch with Leader podcast, where we sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they lead with their faith out in front. Well, welcome on this journey. I am honored to get to be on it with you. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike Lynch, and it is a thrill to know that there are people out there that are seeking to be the people that God created them to be in the place that God has put them. I think for so many years, we equated that place with full-time ministry or we equated that place with a very recognizable role. And I think what we've learned is it doesn't really matter the what we do, it matters the who we are. And it's so easy to define ourselves by the title that's on our business card rather than the who that God created us to be. And I will tell you this, the who will way outlast the what, the what you do. Well, today we get to sit down with somebody we had never met before, before we engaged together on the phone. But I'm telling you, were well, you talking about God just resonating your heart with somebody. That would be the word that I would use for my time with John Flood. John's a good friend of a a buddy of mine named Ira Blumenthal. They've been in the food service industry. He'd gone from sales to the president of food services for Sarah Lee, to the vice president and GM of prepared foods division for Wayne Farms, and guiding them to a $60 million profit improvement. John is a phenomenal leader. And I will tell you this, in the industry and the restaurant industry is making a huge mark. And John will use a phrase in our interview today. He'll say, I've retired, but I really hadn't retired. I've just rewired. And man, that tells you a little bit about the spirit of John Flood. I know many of you uh, are young in business and you're getting started in all this. Boy, John's a great guy to listen to because he's got wisdom and he just bleeds wisdom for us. So I want you to take out a pen or pencil, something to write with. I want you to pull out something to write on. If your phone or a piece of paper, maybe you listen to this. Now you're sitting back in your office, you're re-listening to it again. I want you to listen into my time with John Flood, and I want you to take some good notes because he's got some great stuff for us today. Well, John, thank you so much for being willing to join me on my podcast. It means the world to me, buddy.
1: Well, Pastor Mike, I am humbled and just very excited to spend a few minutes here with you.
0: Well, I know you spent 37 years in one industry, going from in 1980, uh, graduating from college and starting in a sales position to end up being a president of food service at Sara Lee, vice president and GM of a division at Wayne Farms and guiding them to a huge profit how in the world did that whole thing happen? Did you, did you always see yourself in the food industry? Or how did you, because you graduated with a marketing degree, how did you end up in the food world?
1: That is a great question. I grew up in the restaurant business. Went to school at Michigan State. I with an absolute plan of graduating, going through the hotel and restaurant school, Opening up my own restaurant and just staying on the operation side of food my entire career. I was lucky enough uh, when I was in school that there was the International Food Service Manufacturers Association believed that if they found somebody like me who had a love for food, understood the industry, but came at it from a manufacturer from a selling perspective, that this type of person would be much more successful. Say I had an opportunity, had an internship with Nabisco in Chicago uh, between my sophomore and junior year. Realized then that I could live in restaurants my entire life, impact menus by working with different operators all over the all over the country, but come at it from a manufacturer perspective instead of an operator's perspective. So, my love of food goes back a long way, and I was blessed enough to have had somebody recognize that somebody
0: like me could do good. What was it about it that fascinated you so much? Because that's, that's not a field that most people would go, oh yeah, that's something I began to love early. They end up going into it. What was it about that field that fascinated you?
1: Boy, the, the ability to be creative. I uh, the ability to put joy on people's faces through the, the the food that was developed, prepared and served to them. And I just found the the whole environment. I worked for a family owned I uh, white tablecloth restaurant operation and we were family and, and I just loved it. Mm.
0: As you were in that world from sales and marketing to how you, and I believe you retired this past year, what part of it pushed you the most? What part of it that you you got into it and you said, man, I didn't even think about this side of it that I had to navigate through that time. Were there any parts of it that you didn't anticipate maybe being more difficult or hard? You know, the one thing that, that,
1: I always focused on was the job at hand. And I never really even thought about the next step or the next job. All I did was I just focused on doing a really good job at what I was doing. Fortunately, there were people who were watching me, saw things in me, and said, wow, I think this guy could do a pretty good job uh, in a new assignment, in a new role. And I believe that's where a lot of people get tripped up. Mm. People get tripped up because they believe I that, that they need to take that next step right now and they won't be satisfied, you know, until they get to a job that they may or may not like, I but they just think they need to keep advancing. My advice to all of those folks is it will come to you when you demonstrate and just do a- awesome job uh, in, in the task and the responsibilities that you, that you have responsibility for.
0: Well, I love that. I love that. And do you find generationally that maybe it's harder for today's generation? Or would you say that's been true all throughout your time in that industry?
1: It's been true the entire time uh, that I was in the industry. And I believe, quite frankly, that the the youth of today are getting a bad rap. I, you know, so many people say that hey, these kids are entitled and they're lazy and they're this and they're that. It, it, what I have seen with this new generation of kids, sure, they, there's people who are entitled, but you find those in all generations. And when you go seek and you find those those kids that want to do good and are motivated to do good, they're no different than myself or other people that came in the generations before them. I, they want to succeed, you know, and what they need is they need mentors and they need people to come
0: alongside them to help them succeed. I love that. And I, you know, you go from such a diverse, even though you were in one industry, you were in all different parts and places and groups and teams through the years. What was a leadership principle for you, John, that was true when you were a 22-year-old graduate and when you were finishing your last year at uh, Wayne Farms? What was a what was a principle that was true for you, a leadership principle that you used to steer you and guide you during those years?
1: Probably the, the, the biggest thing was just simply caring Caring for the people that I worked alongside, the people that worked for me. When we had our customer interactions, caring for the customer, Mm. you know, and not going and selling them something. Quite frankly, I hate the thought of sales, you know, because that implies that you're getting somebody to buy something that they really don't need. Mm. I, you know, the approach that I always took with our customers and with all of our folks is really understanding what is it that they need. What can they benefit from what I can bring? And by putting those two pieces together, the ability to build success with the, the, the folks that I touched along the way, and conversely, when those people were successful, they allowed me to
0: be successful. So do you find that that was something that was innate to you, or was it something that you had to learn as you went?
1: You know, I I believe it goes back to the way that I was raised. Mm. I I had two really great parents. That when you say innate, I I think it was something learned through my parents. It's good. That I was fortunate enough to to be able to carry through. I it wasn't it didn't come from a textbook. It didn't come from anything like that. But it came from parents. And you know, and as I went through my career
0: from mentors who cared enough uh, to help guide me. When did you begin to see yourself as a leader? At what point in the journey? Were you in your twenties or is it something because of the way your parents raised you, even from an early age, you began to see that I can bring something to the table. What was that journey like for you?
1: Well, it's really interesting. You mentioned the word leader. I I don't know that I ever really considered myself a leader. I ended up in leadership positions. I you know but you know as I reflect back, I you know that that that, that word leader you know implies that you know you're 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 pushing somebody down a a path that you know that they may not want to go down. You know, I always saw myself as somebody that was coming alongside Mm. and working with my teams to do the things that we collectively needed to do to be successful. That in itself is leading. I, you know, and I guess I would consider myself a, a very good leader in that regard. But it was by coming alongside
0: rather than telling or pushing. I I like that thought, too, because that and that tells me a lot of about how you approached your teams and the people around you. And I know in our dialogues and you sent me some great information, there were a couple key people that really became mentors to you. You mentioned Jack DeWitt, Ultimatics, among others. Talk to me a little bit about how Jack DeWitt challenged you in the area of how your faith began to play into what you did day by day.
1: Yeah, so this is an amazing story. I had a lot of success before I started working for Jack, working for some very large companies. And in those companies, it it was very interesting. I, I would love to say that we had a great culture, a great environment. We were very successful at what we did. But, boy, we were very successful because we muscled our way, We pushed people uh, in ways that, you know, I look back, I'm pretty embarrassed, you know, and the language that we used to use in those environments to, you know, kind of push people along, really embarrassing, you know, but I didn't know any other way. You know, it was uh, the way that those companies ran. uh, It's how we conducted ourselves every single day. And when I left that you know, now looking back, kind of toxic environment, and went to work for Jack DeWitt. You know, Jack is one of the strongest Christian men, uh, you know, that I I got to know. And in, in conversations with Jack, he made me realize that I did not need to check who I was at the door when I came to work. You know, that I could bring my whole self, my whole Christian self and body to work, you know, and be very comfortable in it. And in fact, uh, he was the first one to really point out that, you, you know, your faith and your work do not need to be mutually exclusive. In fact, you know, when you base all of your work on the great Christian principles and the great, you know, the, the greatest business book written, the Bible. You have the opportunity to be even more successful at what you do. Say that metaf- metamorphosis of how I managed and how I worked with people really started to take hold with with Jack Dewitt at Request Foods, and everything that we did how we interacted with our customers how we interacted with our employees and each other was firmly based in who i was what i was very comfortable in you know and that was a a great christian walk i he and his company continue to be rewarded today and i believe they are being rewarded today because they have been absolutely faithful to him
0: so what was your, you had a Christian journey way before this. Did you, did you begin that journey as a child um, back home and just grow in that through the years? What was your journey of faith like? Well, it,
1: you know, you say I had a Christian journey. I, going back early in my life, I felt like I was a good person. I went to church every Sunday, felt like I was checking the box, doing all the things that I was supposed to do. I, and I felt good about myself. then one day, my daughter Kate, who went on a mission trip mm. I with what now is her husband i she came back from that mission trip where she had been saved. She had the courage to just flat tell my wife and I that there is more to the, more, more to this than just going to church and checking the box that you have really got to expand and develop your relationship with, you know, and accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. My 15-year-old daughter is the one that that changed the path for both my wife and I. Wow is right. We ended up changing churches, and that is the first time that I could say that I really felt like somebody was telling me the truth. And, you know, that, you know, that, that, that truth of that, you know, accepting and really having that relationship and relying on the Holy Spirit to be with you every day, that was the start of a beautiful journey. And it was because of my, my young daughter having the courage, you know, now that goes back 20 years ago to challenge Becky
0: and I. So, how old were you at that point when that conversation happened with Kate, and she came back from that trip and challenged you and your wife? How what age were you at at that point? Thirty nine years old. Thirty nine years old. Wow! And so, if there's somebody listening today and they go, "Man, I, I, I've waited too long, too big. I'm all about it, but I've waited too, too long, too long to begin it." What would you say to somebody like that?
1: There is no such thing as waiting too long. You know, because you you, you met, you know, Jack DeWitt, you know, the next person, Elton Maddox, uh, the the last uh, seven years of my career that I spent at Wayne Farms was with a gentleman by the name of uh, Elton Maddox, and he embodied everything that Jack DeWitt uh, embodied, but he, you know, he took it even further in his boldness. And surrounding himself by other Christian leaders with, you know within the organization and on our, and our executive team, we were able to to do so many things on growing and you know, moving our business forward because we had our priorities in the, in the right place. It is never too late to jump into that journey, and I, I have been lucky enough to see a lot of guys that Elton has touched. And now, I, you know, I'd love, you know, I like to say it that I am touching that their lives are changing, and the peace that they have, not only in their personal lives, but the peace that they have in their business and how they're conducting themselves is allowing them to to do things that they never imagined.
0: So you begin to you you have this incredible experience at the urging of your daughter, which is incredible. Uh, you have this. You have this experience. You begin to get mentored by Jack Dewitt and Elton Maddox. In that, as you begin to live out your faith, and you sort of take that faith out and let it lead, that that faith becomes what draws you and drives you. Were there ever a time? Were there ever times that you felt alone in that journey? Like, am I really making a difference? Does it really matter? What was that like for you?
1: I think I think that every single day,
0: mm.
1: you know, because I, I am motivated, I to to reach out and find other folks that 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 I can help, you know. And none of us, by the way, can save somebody. We absolutely cannot save anybody. You know, that is a, a relationship between. God and that individual person, but what we can do is we can expose uh, people to the truth, you know, and the wonder, and you know, hopefully they see it in us where they they do wonder and they want to learn more and they they want to know, wow, you know, what what is it that that I see in you that I would love to have say. You know, I struggle every day with with frustration because I see so many men and women who still don't get it that, you know, that I I, I know that if they don't get it, uh, they're not going to have the beautiful afterlife that you and I are going to have.
0: Yep. And I, and I, I know that I think in all of our journeys, and you even go back through scripture, even the greats. And even the ones that that were the best of the best all had those those times. I think they all questioned what they didn't. And, and there's no doubt the enemy has a great way of using that to discourage us, to, for us to keep that faith a little more hidden, a little more quiet, not, not as big a deal. What do you think would be different about you if your daughter hadn't have gone on that trip? You would have never met Jack DeWitt. You would have never met Elton Maddox what would have been what would have been different about your story if all those things hadn't have transpired like they did
1: I don't think I would be here today uh the the the, the way that I am i nobody can tell exactly you know where where, where the journey would have ended up I, I would hope that somebody else might have come along I, to show me the, the the way, but I think my life would have been miserable mm. i i believe that you know in, in a worldly sense would have been very successful would have you know enjoyed a lot of the things that i've been able to enjoy in my life But in looking in the mirror probably not feeling good about how i got there i today you know i i feel really really good about how i got there I, especially these last 15 to 20 years, I, in, in in how we work together as teams and how we were able to encourage each other, I, that, that's what fuels me, and I feel so good about. I, without that intervention uh, from Kate and from Jack and reinforcement from Elton and others, I, you know, I, I wouldn't be the person I am today, and I'm, and I'm just so thankful. And it's a reminder to me that not just I, but every one of us has a responsibility to reach out and help other people that are seeking. Because there are a lot of people who are out there seeking today that just need his love.
0: That thought, I, I want to I grab that real quick. You know, that, that it was done for you as a piece of the story. But the other piece of the story is now having that passion to do for somebody else what somebody did for you. How has that given you a purpose that even you're living out now? And it sort of dovetails in with a group that you began last year of industry executives. What, what, what does that do for you to fuel you to know there's another John Flood out there that I can pour into like somebody poured into me.
1: Wow. So everybody needs to understand when you build that relationship and you invite the Holy Spirit to to just come into you, you better be ready. (laughs) you he's going to be working on you all of the time. And this goes back probably five years ago where the Holy Spirit started nudging and digging at me that there are other guys just like me in the industry who may be working for companies that get it or don't get it, but simply need encouragement uh, in the industry to muscle through, you know, whatever... Master in anything that they may be working on. So the, the the vision five years ago was I reach out to other men in the industry and take out the responsibility to send a message every single week that encourages you know an opportunity for all of us men to come together and pray together as we're at industry events. To to do church together, to get together, all with the you know the, the the intention of being encouragers, and oh by the way being visible when we're doing it, where perhaps somebody else might look at us and wonder, and say you know wow you know what what are you guys doing and how can we engage, and you know and and be a part of this, say. So I did nothing with that. I mentioned I started that five years ago. I put the notes of how I was going to do it in a manila folder. It was with me on every trip that I took, probably been around the world a couple of times. Every once in a while, I would open up that folder, look at it, and absolutely be indicted that I've done nothing with this. I so, finally, last January, you know, I told you, Holy, you better be ready for the Holy Spirit. He finally grabbed me and hit me upside the head and said, God, it's time for you to do something here. Say, so, I, I did the easy thing. I reached out to eight or 10 of my safe friends. Those that I knew would say, yes, I think this is a great idea. Told them what I was thinking of doing. Got affirmation from them that, yeah, this, this is a really great idea. I so I took that on. I it was January 16th when I sent out my my first weekly note. It had been faithful every single week since then. I never know from week to week what I'm gonna write about, but it is amazing. Or I should say it's not amazing, you know, because I know he is there with me that there is always a nugget. And there's always a theme every single week that comes up that I'm able to put, put, put down on paper and send out to, to this group of guys. That group, you know, through each one of them being faithful now and reaching out to other folks. We've grown from that original eight to 10 guys that now we have 62 mm. uh, guys mm. who are part of our group. And what started out is initially just toward men, i I had some women uh, coming up and saying, "You know, we really, really, really want to be a part of this." And I shared with them, well, you know i i I can't include you in my food service Christian men group, but what what I will do, and I'm going to leave it up to you then to spread it out to the other women." is after I send out my note every single week, I will send the exact same note uh, to each one of you a- a- as encouragement. And, wow, it- it's working. And I want to read you just a real quick email that I yeah. got today from Katie uh, that was not on this original list. And it says, John, Emily shared this with me. Beautiful. So great you're still a part of our family. Thank you for loving us and continuing continuing to encourage us to serve our Lord. Hope all is well with you and yours. You know, and the point here is you never, ever, ever know through your actions who you're going to touch. But because of one of the people that I touched cared enough to touch another person. You know, this other person was encouraged
0: today. How does that make you feel? So you, you carry this manila envelope around the world, which I've had many of those envelopes, or those many many manila folders in my, in my bag that uh, are ideas that don't get executed. You, you have this folder all these years. The Holy Spirit finally, you know, gives you the, the nudge you needed. You get that note yesterday. What did you feel? When you receive that email, what what were the thoughts that went through your mind? It's working. Mm.
1: You know that that if each one of us would just take the time to to reach out to others, this thing can spread, and there's absolutely no reason that that it can't spread, and and it becomes encouraging to me to just continue on, you know, and to figure out how, you know, how do we make this better and how do I become an even better encourager? Because none of us can do it on our own. If I can be that encourager to others to want to do what I'm doing, what you are doing that's how things multiply, and that's how his word can get out there. And we have an opportunity to save a whole lot more folks. You know, by the way, I you know, I know that we were talking about the, you know, the, the benefits to the you know to the business side. I'm gonna say it again. For those men and women out there who want the secret sauce of how to make your business great, just go to the word you know, and and bring your whole self and you will be amazed at how your employees and how your customers look at you differently and your business can be rewarded because
0: you're being faithful in the way that you're, you're conducting yourself. So I want to think about that for a second. So for so many people, their fear is if my faith begins to drive what I do, it will hinder me in business. And it will hold me back, you would say just the contrary. Is that right? I, I,
1: there, there is absolutely no question. And looking back on my career, I've been on both sides of it where I did not bring my faith uh, to work. I, we were successful, but we were successful in a toxic way. And I look at those companies. Some of them are not even around today, Mm. because it's not sustainable. You know, to be sustainable, people have to love being a part of part of the environment and and part of where a company is headed. If you're basing it on you know Christian values and the way that you conduct yourself in that business, how you're working with I'll say it again with your employees, with your customers, if you bring your whole self and you you know, and and you 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 bring your love and you bring all of the principles that you see in that greatest business book, you can't not be successful. Mm.
0: Well, I hope, I hope people here cuz I believe you are 100% Correct. And I think it's just a, uh, I think it's a myth that gets out there. Just like in sports. I remember on one of our other podcasts, I asked a tight end for the Eagles. Do you believe your faith hurts your career? He's like, what do you mean? Hurts my career? I think it's the best thing. It drives me makes me want to, you know, it makes me want to be my best. I love one of the, uh, I pulled one of the quotes out of one of your uh, emails to your team and you were quoting someone else, but you said, my greatest accomplishments in my life are someone else's. What does that statement mean to you? When you say my greatest accomplishments really aren't what I've done, but what I've helped somebody else do, what, 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 what does that statement mean to you? Well, uh, I, w-
1: w- what that means is I've done my job. I, you know, none of us are promised tomorrow, you know, and if we're doing our job, we are helping other people succeed and we're enabling them to, to do things that they never dreamt of doing. I'll go back to what I said you know, I'm building our group of folks. If I can be that encourager, and that encourager becomes an encourager to somebody else, it becomes a multiplying effect. Nobody can do everything by themselves. that you can do amazing things, you know, when you bring along and you enable a whole group of folks
0: to do it, and they bring along people alongside them as well. Where do you see the group going? What what's your what's your aspiration and dream of where God's going to take this and how God's going to use this group over the next few years?
1: So I look at this the exact same way that I I, I looked at my career. I mentioned early on, I, I never looked at that well, oh, I have to have that next job. I I look at, at this group as one that Hopefully, we'll, we'll continue to evolve. This is not about numbers. Right now, I met you know we've got 62 guys, and we've got some women, uh, I you know on the outside who are who are coming in. My goal is not to have 100, 500, a 1, thousand. Who knows? It, it might end up being exactly that. I but but my vision, my my hope is that. This group continues to grow, and each of the people in the group has the courage, like my 15-year-old daughter, Mm. to go out and reach other people. And if we do that and we save one life, then we will have accomplished everything that, that, that I had hoped that we had accomplished when we started this. And probably, you know, the most, you know, the most important thing is whenever my days are done, that somebody else picks up this, you know, the, the, this seed that we started, they perpetuate it, they keep it going, and they make it even better.
0: Which plays right into, if you can help someone else, you're always going to win. You're always gonna win. I, I love in one of your I love in one of your notes as well, you asked the question, who you're gonna wow today? Who is it that God's gonna put across your path that you're gonna wow? What happens to a person? It doesn't really even matter the field that they're in. When they wake up every day, they almost go out looking for a God moment, a moment that God brings across their path to bless others. What can happen to a person if they begin to live that way?
1: It can give them peace and calm the very minute that they get up because they're thinking about life and they're thinking about the day so very differently than looking at, I have this task that I need to go out and do. And if you're accepting a paycheck, guess what? You do have a job that you're responsible for, and you're responsible for doing the the, the best and accomplishing the, the, the goals that are put out in front of you. How you do that is your choice. How you approach it every day is your choice. And I promise you that if you start the day thinking about you know whether it's a good thing you're working on or a really difficult situation you're thinking on if you approach it from the context of you know what whoever i'm interacting with today i'm going to make it a great day you know and 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 we're going to humanize this when you do humanize it and you and and you bring your whole self your whole christian self into it it just brings peace and calm. And especially if you're dealing with a difficult situation, you know, that peace and calm is
0: exactly what
1: you need to get you through.
0: To live such a, um, a directional intentional life, which you have for these past 20 years where you've said, all right, it's, I'm going to be really, really good at what I do. I'm going to be the best at what I do, but. While I'm doing that, I'm going to make a mark for something bigger than me, which I think you've done incredibly well. I know on IRA, you sure have. What are disciplines you put in your life to help you stay on course? Because it's so easy to, to deviate off and it's so easy to drift from our original intentionality. What are things and disciplines you put into place that have helped you along the way?
1: I I say I was not always like this. And, and, and you grow and you mature as you go through life. But going to the Word every day, you know, and just spending quiet time uh, with Him. And I, I think about another mentor of mine, Charles Reeves, who is 9, 10 years ago started a, a journey group that I became a part of. He helped me learn how to really study and look at the Word very differently and, you know, how much peace, you know, you're able to bring when you do that every single day. I, you know, say you've got to be intentional, and I'd be lying to you if I, you know, if I said that I didn't skip a day here or there. But now when I skip a day here or there, I know it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, and, and and I miss it, you know, I say just just take that time, you know and and the nonsense about uh, people say, well, I'm too busy, I don't have enough time that's that's absolute nonsense, if you take that you know, shoot, even if it's only fifteen or twenty or thirty minutes, i that will buy you more time as you go through the day because you'll be at more peace and more collected and, you know, collected and able to do more things more efficiently as you go through the day.
0: So this past year, 2017 big year, you, you retire from the work that's in the field that you had been in you, you and your wife of all these years who you love so dearly, y'all moved down to St. Simons where her heart is and where, I know y'all have got a lot going on now. What's, what's your next season of life going to look like? What do you see in this next season for you?
1: So I'm retired. I'm not dead. A lot of people think when you retire that it's all over. So I, I refer to myself as rewired. I love that. I, I love it. Yeah, th- this next season of my life, It gives both Becky and I, you know, Becky has been just an incredible supporter and inspiration for me, but it gives both of us the opportunity to to pour back into our community. She's involved with Grace House. uh, It's a Christian organization that uh, that is focused on helping women uh, recovering from addiction. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I've got an opportunity. I'm on the board of Gathering Place here. Where the the whole focus is uh, is on youth and giving them the support that they need, you know, say the ability to go deeper to you know to help the faith side of it. I we also have the opportunity through cross training sports camps. I, I mentioned Elton Maddox. His wife Claire started cross training back in two thousand and two where we go down to Roatan in Honduras at least a week a year, sometimes two weeks a year, I spending time with the youth down there, being present I, with the youth down there to help change the cycle of poverty that they've got by helping these kids get educated and do the things that they need to do I, you know, to, to move forward. So it allows us to do that. And I do intend, by the way, to remain engaged and involved in the food industry. I still love this industry. So for those companies that have the opportunity and want to learn from my 37 years of making and fixing mistakes, I, that's where I'm going to go. And I'm going to help these companies that, that want to go down that path and that journey that I can help them with.
0: So you certainly don't see it as you're going to be playing golf seven days a week. It sounds like you're going to be working a full-time job, getting to do things you maybe haven't gotten the time to do all these years. And I, I know that first time you and I talked on the phone and you said, man, I'm not retired. I'm rewired. I have thought about that a thousand times because it tells me a lot about how God put you together. And what would you, what would you tell, what would you tell a, Young business guy, right now, who says, I want to be at the top of my field and I want my faith to matter. What encouragement? It really doesn't even matter the, the industry, coaching, business, whatever part of life they may be in, but they really, they're young and they're getting started out and they really want their life to matter. Looking back in the rearview mirror now on this track that you've made these last 37 years, what advice would you give him?
1: Find the environment and the company that looks at life the way that you do. Mm. I, this is not all about money. So many people chase the money and they chase the title and they chase the job. I, the reality is if you do it right, the job, the title, and the money will end up chasing you because you're so good at what what you do. But your ability to thrive is making sure you're in an environment that allows you to bring your whole self, to be who you are. And when you get into that type of environment and you're able to be who you are and bring your whole self every single day, your ability and the company's ability to thrive is going to accelerate. So if you're in a toxic environment today, you're making a lot of money and you don't want to walk away from it, have the courage, walk away, find the right company, the right fit, and you will have an opportunity to have just an amazing career.
0: If somebody wants to get in touch with you and they say, "I, I want to learn more about how I can begin a group in my industry uh, like you did in the food service industry or a company that wants to bring you in or learn from you, what are ways and what's the best way for them to get in touch with you, John?
1: I email cell phone. I, you know, I, I'll be happy to supply any of that uh, through you. Okay. You know, if, if somebody, and, Boy, that's something that would just give me absolute joy I mean, because that then would tell me again that, that this is working and that there are other people in industry who want to take this forward.
0: That's good. When life's said and done and your, your journey's wrapping up here on this earth, which we'll all do one day, what do you want the people who knew you best, your, your wife, your kids? the people that work with you, what the, what do you want them to say about you?
1: He cared enough to tell me the truth.
0: Boy, that's good. That is good. Well, John, you have been a blessing today, buddy. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on. It has sure been a joy, and I know that tons are going to be encouraged from this. That
1: That is absolutely my prayer. and. Again, it it would be a joy when that
0: happens. You know what I think of when I think of that time with John? I think of depth. John is a guy that's just got depth. You could say roots, you could say grit. John's a guy that hadn't just arrived in leadership. Man, he went on a journey to get there, he's got some battle wounds from that journey. But John did his very best, especially there at the end of his journey to be the leader that God created him to be while he was in that food service industry day by day. You know, I think most of us think, well, I always knew I was gonna be a leader and I've always been been trained. Well, we don't, we don't just take a kid who's got good, great baseball ability and go, he's gonna be a major league baseball player. You hone that talent. Well, leadership is the same way. We hone that talent. John Flood has spent a career honing that talent Of who God created him to be and the gifts that God gave him. And I'm telling you, we will all be better for it. Thank you so much, John, for joining us. You know, that was a great reminder. I think we all look forward to that day when we are retired. But man, didn't you love what he said? Not retired, I'm just rewired. God's got a new assignment. God's got something for me he didn't have before. What a great perspective, huh? What a great way to look at it, that God's got something in store for us. What is that for you? Makes me ask what it is for me. I don't know when that day will come that I will retire or I will choose, be chosen to be retired by somebody. I remember an old NFL chaplain, James Trapp, who we had on an earlier episode said, nobody just retires from the NFL. They are retired by somebody else saying, you know, your, your services are no longer needed. Well when that day comes I hope I'm rewired and not retired because God's not done with us our best days are still ahead as we seek to be the people that God created us to be and those that was my word from John is rewired he that was what good stuff man Loved that time. It's been so neat sitting down with some people. I didn't know. I've heard of them, but didn't know them. And man, you just feel your heart clicking with their heart and know that there's just some good stuff flowing and some good stuff coming. Well, our Good Summer series continues in our next episode as we sit down with maybe one of the most popular authors in the industry right now, Miss Annie Downs. Her last book, 100 Days to Brave, is one of the hottest books right now for 20-something-year-old young ladies. And what you're gonna find about Annie is, Annie writes out of passion, and she writes out of what God's telling her and teaching her, and you are gonna love. You may be a 45-year-old guy, but I'm gonna tell you something. The things that Annie Downs is gonna share with us are gonna be spot, on for where we live. So until we meet again next time, go be the leader that God created you to be in the place that God put you to lead. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com.